The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence of investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick is with Edelman Financial Engines, a part of Financial Engines Advisors, LLC, and the investment advisor that furnishes this program. Barron's ranks financial advisory firms based on assets managed, team size, experience, and regulatory record. Firms self-nominate. Investment returns and experience are not considered. Advisors in the Hall of Fame have been in the top 100 for 10 plus years. Future performance is not guaranteed. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. Last week, I talked about GameStop, and the story has not abated. Everybody wants to know, understand what is going on and how is this happening. So let me try to explain to you the operations of the brokerage firm and Wall Street stock exchange environment. A little peek behind the curtains to help you understand this. You buy a stock via a brokerage firm. You place your order, you either call your broker on the phone or you do it online with an app or a website where you place your trade. The brokerage firm then routes the order to a company that arranges for the security to be purchased at whatever exchange it sits on, New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the -the over-the-counter markets, what have you. Well, basically, you have to place your order and most folks are placing an order At the market, meaning I want to buy the stock at whatever price the stock is trading for. Well, how does the brokerage firm make money? Well, typically they charge you a commission. So if you want to execute your trade through them, they're going to charge you a commission. That's how they stay in business. Robinhood is an online app that doesn't charge any commissions. And many other brokerage firms are now doing the same. You can trade commission-free. How does Robinhood, how do all of these firms make any money if they're not charging you anything? It's real simple. They send your order, the trade you've executed, to a firm that processes that order. The biggest in the industry is a company called Citadel. Why does Robinhood send your order to Citadel? Because Citadel pays Robinhood for the privilege. Well, does that make any sense? How does Citadel make any money? If you're doing your trade with Robinhood for free and Robinhood gives the trade to Citadel, oh, that's how it works. Citadel pays Robinhood. But why would Citadel do that? Why would Citadel pay Robinhood for the privilege of processing your order? It's real simple. If your order was to buy a stock for $10, Citadel is going to buy the stock for $9.99, selling it to you for $10. Citadel is going to make a penny. Actually, in real terms, they're going to make a fraction of a penny. You'll probably end up getting 99.99 cents. Citadel is going to earn 0.01 cent. Why would Citadel want to engage in a business where they're able to make a profit of a fraction of a penny? Well, if you do it millions of times a day, we're talking real money. And in fact, Citadel's trading revenue last year was $7 billion. That's called the spread. The difference between the price they paid to buy the stock they gave you and the price you paid them for the stock you got. 
$1.7 billion at Citadel alone. So imagine what happened with all the trading in GameStop. GameStop shares skyrocketed on massive trading volume, most of it via Robinhood and other firms like it, who processed those trades to Citadel. In fact, Citadel handled almost 30% of all the GameStop trading volume last week. So, Citadel pays Robinhood for order flow, earns billions on the spread. The rising price causes hedge funds to lose money, so what does Citadel do? It bailed out the hedge funds. No wonder... There are a lot of investigations going on right now. Texas has joined New York in investigating Robinhood, Interactive Brokers, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, Webull Financial, Public Holdings, M1 Holdings, Citadel, Apex Clearing, and Discord. They're investigating all these folks. So is the SEC. And in fact, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, has just announced she's convening a meeting with the Fed, the SEC, and members of Congress, all to figure all this out. By the way, Janet Yellen had to check with the Ethics Committee to make sure she could hold this meeting. Why? Because over the last two years, she earned over $700,000 in speaking fees paid by Citadel. So everybody has to make sure everybody's on the up and up here. The CEO of Robinhood is going to be testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. And when's the last time you saw Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York, and Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican of Texas, in agreement on anything? The two of them are in full agreement that these investigations are necessary. The real question is, did a Wall Street hedge fund have a role in getting Robinhood to halt the trading. Well, let's just take a look at what's going on with GameStop fundamentally. Company was worth $1.3 billion on December 31st. Last week, it skyrocketed to $21 billion because the stock price rose so much. But now that the party's over, the stock has fallen over 80%. Analysts say the company's not going to make any money till 2023. The stock is trading at 200 times its estimated profits. Walmart trades for 23 times. So the stock was doomed to collapse because the increase in price made no sense. Well, how are the buyers of GameStop talking about it? Well, the newspapers have been quoting these people all over the country. A 21-year-old college student named Liam said, buying GameStop is like getting a high. Another student, a college senior in San Diego, said, quote, I wanted to be part of the excitement. Lewis, a college student in Pittsburgh, said, both of my roommates have accounts. We talk about our trades all the time. He says he's never been taught anything about the stock market, and he gets his information from online conversations. Then there's a 19-year-old in Dallas who says miners are trading in Robinhood. Quote, it's very easy to get past that 18-year-old requirement. You just take a picture of your mom or dad's social security card and set up an account. He says he gets his information from TikTok. And he also said it doesn't matter if you lose all your money because your lifestyle doesn't change. After all, he said... I'm living in my parents' house. We're a fearless group of traders. Well, yeah, they literally have nothing to lose. And then there's Dan Kovacs, 25 years old. He put $200 into GameStop, rode the wave up, sold for $2,500, a 10x profit. Fabulous. Good for him. You know what he's going to do with the money? He's going to pay off some of his credit cards. Another user said he's going to pay off his student loans of $23,000. 
Another kid, 18 years old, a college student living with his parents, plans to use his gains from the stock to pay his college tuition. Joe Bellant, 32 years old, says he's going to pay for his wedding. Wow, this is exciting. Except for one problem. They're all forgetting about taxes. Yeah, the taxes they're going to owe, depending on their tax bracket, will range from 10% to 37%. If they're earning over $200,000 or married earning over $250,000, there's an additional 3.8% tax, plus state taxes up to 13.3%, depending on the state you live in. If they take all the money that they've profited from GameStop and go out and pay debts or pay for a wedding or pay college tuition, which is all laudable, wonderful plans, where are they going to get the money to pay the taxes that are going to be due a year from now? It could be a crisis in the making. Oh, and uh, I got this fascinating email from John. He said, Rick, I was shocked to hear your negative comments last week about the Reddit users and your accusation that they were all committing some type of investment crime. The group did nothing more than join together and agree to buy a stock, GameStop. What's wrong with that? Well, John, what's wrong with that is that it is an investment crime. The Securities Exchange Act of 1934 makes it illegal to induce the purchase or sale of any security by claiming that the price of the security is likely to rise or fall because of market operations when you're conducting all this for the purpose of raising or depressing the price of such security. That's what it says in the law. You can't get together, collude with friends and say, let's all go buy the stock so that we can get the price of the stock to rise. It's illegal market manipulation, and this is one big reason why there are lots of investigations underway and hearings being scheduled. And oh, by the way, it might have been fun for the Reddit users in this uh, chat room to all get together and go decide to buy GameStop and BlackBerry and Bed Bath & Beyond and Blockbuster Video. And then they moved on this past week to Silver. That stock shot up 13% in a single day, the highest price in eight years before crashing the day after. Sure, that's a whole lot of fun because they're getting together in a quiet little chat room without anybody on Wall Street knowing that they're doing it. Guess what? Wall Street now knows they're doing it. And Wall Street is now using electronic data, artificial intelligence, to scrape the data off of Reddit message boards. They are now listening to the conversations happening online so that they don't get caught flat-footed the way they did with GameStop. And by the way, is any of this hurting Robinhood? Company's been running full-page ads in newspapers across the country. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, apologizing, reassuring folks that they're here to serve you. Inc. Magazine, though, isn't buying it. They said Robinhood destroyed its brand in less than a day and says a company has a huge number of one-star reviews. Doesn't seem to have mattered. In the last week, the Robinhood app was downloaded more than one million times. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to The Truth About Money. Let's forget about this get-rich-quick nonsense. What we really need to be talking about is getting wealthy slowly. And when we return, I'm going to introduce for you a new proposal I've created that could eliminate poverty in retirement for all future generations. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. I 
Investment News as the nation's largest independent registered investment advisory firm. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Hi, I'm Rick Edelman, and I have a feeling that retirement is on your mind. You're wondering if you've saved enough or whether your money is in the right places. You're wondering when will you be able to retire or will you be able to stay retired? And is your money sufficient so you can live in comfort and financial security for the rest of your life? You're wondering all this, but you really don't have to just wonder. You can resolve all these questions in your effort to enjoy a retirement that's everything you want it to be. And we can help. At Edelman Financial Engines, our clients are predominantly concerned about retirement, your financial security, financial security for your spouse, for your aging parents, for your children. And we can help you just like we've helped thousands of folks just like you for more than 30 years. So call us at Edelman Financial Engines at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-PLAN-RICK. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. And don't wonder about your retirement because we're here to help you. Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. It's kind of funny. We're all so focused on this get-rich-quick nonsense with GameStop over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and, of course, it's silly. A bunch of you know young, inexperienced investors having fun doing in a stock market what they normally do in a video game. And it's been entertaining to watch. A little scary for them. It's like watching your kid you know, play in a playground and you're scared to death. They're going to hurt themselves when they don't seem to care. Um, but aside from the voyeuristic value of the uh, story, it's kind of irrelevant to you and me, isn't it? What is far more relevant is what really matters, and that is helping you achieve financial security and retirement. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that really what financial planning's primary goal is, is to help you achieve financial security in your elder years. That's certainly how we devote ourselves here at Edelman Financial Engines. And we know, of course, that it has been extraordinarily challenged due to COVID over the past year, uh, with millions out of work, pay cuts across the board, the incredible stock market volatility that everybody has experienced, and raising the question, Gosh, am I still going to be able to retire? And that's assuming that you have the ability to save and that you have the long-term time horizon that you need in order to achieve your goals. But we all know that millions of Americans lack those opportunities because of income inequity that exists in our nation. We know that there are tens of millions of Americans who don't earn very much money uh, and who don't have access to effective financial advice from a professional. And they therefore don't take full advantage of the opportunities that are out there in the marketplace, which is why we've called this particular economy the K economy. On the one hand, those doing well are doing better. But on the other hand, those doing badly are doing even worse. And so it's been bothering me for quite some time trying to figure out how do we fix this. And frankly, I'm not sure how we fix it for individuals today, but I have figured out how we can fix it for your children and grandchildren who are yet to come. You know, a lot of folks have been spending the past few months watching old movies and playing video games. I've been spending the past several months in this pandemic figuring out how we solve income inequity in our country. And I'm very happy to introduce to you here right now a new proposal that I've created called RISE, Retirement Income Security for Everyone. 
Michelle Singletary of the Washington Post broke the story last weekend. Let me share with you here what Rise is. It indeed eliminates poverty and income inequity in retirement for all future generations of Americans. There are five reasons why millions of Americans enter retirement without enough money. Number one, American families don't earn enough money to save. Household incomes are up 14% since 1990, but health care costs are up 51%. Housing prices are up 300%. So are college costs and food prices. One in four U.S. households has no retirement savings at all. Number two, 32% of workers don't have a retirement plan at work. Number three, we don't let Americans save for retirement throughout their entire lives. You have to work to be able to save. Well, tell that to moms who are staying at home raising kids or caring for aging parents. They're not in the workplace. They're not earning a paycheck. They're not allowed to save for retirement. How is that fair? How does that make any sense? Number four, children born into low-income households, all the studies tell us, are likely to stay there their entire lives. And number five, one in three workers withdraw money from retirement accounts before they retire taking away the money they're going to need at the very moment they're going to need it. So we clearly need a new approach to retirement savings, something that doesn't penalize hardworking Americans who are struggling with the cost of living, doesn't make your ability to save for retirement dependent on whether you're working or where you're working, doesn't force you to miss out on millions of dollars in wealth accumulation by foregoing decades of compounding, and doesn't perpetuate your poverty merely because of the household income level that you're born into and doesn't prevent workers from acting against their own best interests by letting them access retirement savings before they retire. So I've come up with a savings solution that would provide all future generations of Americans a new source of retirement income starting when they reach age 70 and would place everybody at a minimum at the median of U.S. income. Today, that's $38,000 a year. Essentially, my proposal lifts all Americans into the middle class in retirement Everybody would benefit from the program. No more American retirees living in poverty. And the program, get this, would be completely self-funding. No cost to the government or to taxpayers. Here's how RISE works. The Retirement Income Security for Everyone proposal. Every year, the Treasury Department would issue RISE savings bonds, like war bonds back in World War II, for every baby born every year. The money would be managed by an entity established by Congress. The RISE bonds would be eligible for redemption in 20 years, like other savings bonds, and the redemptions and all the program's costs would be funded by the program itself, no cost to the government or taxpayers. Compare this simple approach to the current situation. You have a typical worker entering the workforce at age 20, saves in a 401k to age 70, and also pays into Social Security. In present dollars, that worker will get $23,000 in retirement. RISE will give them $27,000 in retirement. RISE is an innovative, permanent, and completely self-funding way to ensure that all future generations of Americans can enjoy a financially secure retirement. And check this out. In order for that worker to get that $23,000 from 401k and Social Security, that worker's got to save and invest over $470,000 over the course of their career. RISE accomplishes all this for a one-time funding of $5,884. How is RISE able to do this? Simple. Compound growth. By setting the money up at birth and giving it 70 years of compound growth opportunity, something no one's ever tried to do. Well, 
That is the magic. It's simply the power of compounding. James Lockhart, former deputy commissioner and COO of the Social Security Administration, said, quote, Rise is an important plan to supplement Social Security for future generations to ensure safe and secure retirements, especially for lower income Americans by starting to fund retirement at birth. The funding mechanism is a very innovative approach that should be explored. Laura Karstensen, director of Stanford University's Center on Longevity, said, quote, We owe it to the youngest among us to provide paths to financial security in old age, and RISE represents exactly the kind of -of out-of-box thinking we need. Paul Irving, chairman of the Milken Institute's Center for the Future of Aging, said, This is the time for big ideas. RISE is a bold plan to ensure that every American child can look forward to a financially secure retirement. RISE offers the opportunity to narrow gaps and change the financial futures of future American generations. And Jason Grimay, the founder and president of the Bipartisan Policy Center, said, As the country grapples with the twin challenges of retirement security and inequality, innovative ideas like RISE are needed to address retirement security for all. You can learn more about my proposal by visiting the website I've created, WeCanRise.com. At that website, you'll see the proposal, three short videos I've created, the FAQs, and you can show your support as well. I encourage you to visit WeCanRise.com and help us make this proposal a reality. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us. doesn't come with instructions. More of your questions coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Hi, I'm Rick Edelman, and I have a feeling that retirement is on your mind. You're wondering if you've saved enough or whether your money is in the right places. You're wondering when will you be able to retire or will you be able to stay retired? And is your money sufficient so you can live in comfort and financial security for the rest of your life? You're wondering all this, but you really don't have to just wonder. You can resolve all these questions in your effort to enjoy a retirement that's everything you want it to be. And we can help. At Edelman Financial Engines, our clients are predominantly concerned about retirement, your financial security, financial security for your spouse, for your aging parents, for your children. And we can help you just like we've helped thousands of folks just like you for more than 30 years. So call us at Edelman Financial Engines at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-PLAN-RICK. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. And don't wonder about your retirement because we're here to help you. Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. We had some shocking statistics emanating from Franklin Templeton. This is one of the largest mutual fund companies in America. One of the early huge mutual fund firms with their big heyday back in the 1980s and 1990s. That heyday is quickly vanishing for Franklin Templeton. Last year, investors withdrew $50 billion from their mutual funds, making Franklin Templeton the worst selling fund company in America. 
Their assets are still about $1.5 trillion, but that's a far cry from the glory they used to have. Why is it that Franklin Templeton is having such massive withdrawals? One reason, for sure, is the broader issue that many investors are really not as interested anymore in buying individual stocks, or more accurately, they don't want to invest with a mutual fund that buys specific stocks based on stock picking. And that's what Franklin Templeton does. They're an actively managed mutual fund company. They also charge commissions for their mutual funds called loads or sales charges. So when you buy a Franklin Templeton fund, you're paying a commission or a load to the broker or financial advisor who sold it to you. Investors want to pay a fee. They don't want to pay commissions. They don't want to buy actively managed mutual funds nearly as much as they want to buy passively managed, meaning don't try to pick the winners. Let's just invest more broadly. Well, here's an illustration of the challenges of trying to pick winners. And so we're going to talk about Tesla. Is Tesla a stock that you would want to buy right now? In other words, do you think Tesla is going to rise in value or is the stock going to fall in value? Tesla, of course, very famous last year with its stock up over 700%. So is Tesla overpriced or is it still a bargain? Let me share with you an analysis done by The Economist magazine, which basically ran two stories side by side, asking the question, Should you buy Tesla stock or should you sell Tesla stock? Here are the reasons they argued for why Tesla is a great stock to buy. Its margins, they said, are higher than any other car maker, meaning they make more profit on the sale of each car than any other car company in the world. And because they make electric vehicles, that market is exploding. Right now, electric vehicles are only 3% of car sales, and Tesla has 20% of the market. Well, everybody knows that the entire industry is moving toward electric vehicles. The market is going to grow tenfold over this decade. And if the market grows tenfold and Tesla has 20% of that market, that gives Tesla massive growth. Tesla has already built a new factory in China that's already functioning and making automobiles. They're about to open a factory in Germany and a new gigafactory to make batteries in Texas. And to show how easy it is for Tesla to grow, they just raised $12 billion on Wall Street to finance all of this. All of that bodes really good for Tesla, giving a lot of people a lot of confidence in buying the stock, even though it rose 700% last year. Now let's look at the other side of the coin. And here are the reasons cited by The Economist magazine why you don't want to buy Tesla stock. And in fact, if you own it, you probably want to sell it. Tesla's market value is $800 billion. That's equal to the next eight Biggest car makers combined. Sales would have to rise sevenfold just to sell as many cars as Toyota does. And yeah, it sold 500,000 cars last year, but Elon Musk once said that he'd be selling a million cars by now. He's nowhere close. And competition is getting fierce. General Motors says it's going to have 30 models of electric vehicles on the market over the next five years. Volkswagen is going to have 70 by the end of the decade. And Tesla's models, well, they're getting old. 
In fact, sales of the Model S and the Model X are falling, and the firm's losing market share in Europe. Already, Renault, Nissan, and Mitsubishi, along with Hyundai and Kia, they sold more electric vehicles in Europe last year than Tesla did, putting pressure on the company. And yeah, Tesla is making a lot of money, but it's not making money from selling cars. It's making money from selling carbon credits. What on earth is that? You see, the federal government has a mandate for automobile manufacturers that says, we want you to produce only a certain amount of emissions into the atmosphere, all part of the effort to improve our environment. Let's say your automobile company doesn't meet the limits set by the government, but another company does. You can buy the excess of the other company. And that's what's been happening. Ford, General Motors, Mercedes, BMW, they've been buying the excess carbon credits that Tesla has earned. And Tesla has actually been making more money selling carbon credits to the other car makers than they've earned by selling cars to you. Well, what happens when the other car makers start making their own electric vehicles and meeting their own needs for carbon credits under the law? They won't need to buy them from Tesla. And Tesla Revenue will drop dramatically. You decide, is Tesla the kind of a company that you want to buy, or is it the kind of a stock that you want to sell? It's hard to figure it out, isn't it? And that's why many investors these days reach the conclusion of saying, I don't want to play that game. I don't want to have to base my financial future, my retirement security, on getting the answer right. Why should I say that my kid's ability to go to college depends on my picking the right stock at the right time and getting rid of it at the right time as well? This is why investors are increasingly choosing to go with a diversified portfolio of ETFs, and mutual funds that invest in a broad array, hundreds, even thousands of stocks from not just the U.S., but all over the world. This way, you don't have to worry that the fortunes of any one company can cause you much harm. And overall, you'll probably do well enough to be able to achieve your financial goals. That's really the approach that most investors are taking. So they look at the Tesla argument as rather interesting cocktail party chit-chat, but not something that they want to engage with their own money. And this helps explain why Franklin Templeton has seen $50 billion of assets withdrawn from its company last year. And it's worth noting that this isn't a question of bullishness or bearishness. This isn't people saying, I'm afraid of the stock market. They're just saying, I don't want to have to make individual stock picks. In fact, Bank of America just released a survey of almost 200 money managers, and bullishness is at a three-year high. Cash in portfolios is now at the lowest level since 2013. So clearly, investors are willing to invest. The real key is how do you go about it? Oh, and related to that, by the way, is the question of what asset class? Should I go into the stock market, the bond market, the real estate market, the gold market, the oil market? Where? Well, there's a new study that just came out of England examining the performance of residential real estate, and the study is turning heads. They examined residential real estate in Great Britain from 1901 through 1983, and they discovered that the net annual return on residential real estate was much lower 
than anybody had anticipated. They say, according to the study, that the average annual return on residential real estate over the bulk of the last century was only 2.3% per year. The stock market has averaged 10% a year during that period. And so it is really fascinating as people are arguing, should I invest in stocks or should I invest in real estate? These numbers kind of make the answer obvious. I'm Rick Edelman. You got questions about your portfolio? Give us a call at Triple H Plan Rick or visit us online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. More with the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Hi, I'm Rick Edelman, and I have a feeling that retirement is on your mind. You're wondering if you've saved enough or whether your money is in the right places. You're wondering when will you be able to retire or will you be able to stay retired? And is your money sufficient so you can live in comfort and financial security for the rest of your life? You're wondering all this, but you really don't have to just wonder. You can resolve all these questions in your effort to enjoy a retirement that's everything you want it to be. And we can help. At Edelman Financial Engines, our clients are predominantly concerned about retirement, your financial security, financial security for your spouse, for your aging parents, for your children. And we can help you just like we've helped thousands of folks just like you for more than 30 years. So call us at Edelman Financial Engines at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-PLAN-RICK. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. And don't wonder about your retirement because we're here to help you. Let's take a phone call here on the program off to Marietta, Georgia. Don is with us on the air. Welcome to the show, Don. Hi, Rick. How are you? Thanks for hearing my story. Well, I'm happy to have you call. Tell me your story. What's going on? Well, I had a financial advisor for almost 15 years, and she did very well with stocks. But at some point, she purchased a REIT for about $80,000, and she later sold it for a profit. Uh, last September, I changed financial advisors and found that I had three REITs and all lost money, some because of COVID. The original investment was about $80,000 and now looks like it has a paper value of about 67000 And here's the issue. I'm 79 years old and I want to cash them in. So I've talked to several of their investment uh, investor relations people, and they tell me I have to wait for a liquidity event, or I have three options. One is death, two is being a memory facility, three is sick and dying, and all of those are unacceptable. <laughs> so my question is, how do I get out of this thing? Well, die. Uh, or, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, just like they said, Don, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be laugh. It's not funny. So these are not merely REITs. These are non-traded REITs. Yes. And there's a difference between the two. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. I'll call it like a mutual fund of real estate. That's not a really totally fair statement, but it's kind of gets the point across. It's a fund that invests in real estate, and it kind of looks like a mutual fund, meaning it trades on a daily basis. You buy and sell REITs on the open exchanges. They have daily liquidity, and market prices fluctuate just like any other investment. Those are ordinary REITs. But separately, there's a category of non-traded REITs. These are REITs that don't 
trade on the daily markets and there is no liquidity. You, when you buy them, you're locked in typically for 10 years and you really can't sell other than to draconian methodology that is generally going to get you much less than the current market value. Right, right. And why does an advisor sell non-traded REITs to their clients? Typically because they have 8% to 10% commissions. So that $80,000 you invested, your advisor earned eight grand. That's how these things work. And we're not big fans, as you can imagine, of non-traded REITs as a result of that. So what are your recourses? Well, as they said, there are very small, limited reasons for them to provide liquidity, death, uh, going to a long-term care facility, uh, et cetera, none of which apply to you and none of which you want to apply to you. The second choice is to hold on to it. Uh, and wait for its maturity, wait for it to become liquid in a seven to 10 year window. Third choice is to go ahead and sell it. And that means you've got to find a buyer. There are organizations that engage in this activity that help people get out of illiquid assets. They are typically called vulture funds. Yeah, you can imagine why they get their name, because they basically are not trying to deal with a distressed asset. They're dealing with a distressed seller. Some people who buy these illiquid assets discover that they need the money sooner than they anticipated, or they didn't even realize it was illiquid when they bought it because of shenanigans in the sales process. And now they realize they want to get out. And so someone will come along saying, I'll be happy to buy it from you. But they're going to offer you 20 or 30% less than it's actually worth. That's why they're called vultures. So that means if this asset is worth 67 grand, they might offer you 40 or 50 grand for it, which means you really, really need to want the money really bad in order to take that deal. So tell me, how badly do you need the money? Well, I don't need the money badly, but according to what you just said, I probably have to wait till I'm 85 to collect it. <laughs> and yeah, and then we're not going to really be sure what the value of it's going to be at that time. Some people will get out of these investments early, suffering the reduced benefits of doing so because they figure it's only going to get worse down the road. In other words, if you're only going to get 50 grand at age 85, you might as well sell it now for the 50 grand. So what you really need to do is have an advisor, an independent advisor, not someone who sold you this product and not someone who has a vested interest in you keeping this product, but someone who can evaluate it to see what its prospects are. What is its current value in the open marketplace if you were to sell it to a vulture fund? And what are its future prospects so that you can evaluate, should you get rid of it now or should you hold on to it and get rid of it later? Which is the lesser of the evils? Well, I've heard that two of them are okay. One's doing well. Uh, the second one is uh, medium, and the third one is uh, probably defunct. Oh, my. Defunct. Yeah. Uh, what it means is you're not going to be able to sell it for any price if it's defunct. I'm Googling, and uh, there's nothing but lawsuits. Oh, my. They were referred to as a Ponzi scheme, so... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, then, if that's really the case, you might have recourse against the advisor who sold it to you. Oh, so you might want to consider talking with a securities attorney to see if you can file a lawsuit, file a complaint uh, to FINRA, the regulatory authority that oversees brokers, or file um, an arbitration claim or a lawsuit against the broker and the firm for having sold you something that has turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Well, then one last question. What is a liquidity event? They all say they're having a, a liquidity event between now and July. Or is that just to get you off the phone? 
<laughs> no, if that's true, then it means what they're doing is selling the real estate that they own. In other words, when you buy the fund, they take your money with everybody else's money and they go buy real estate. And then later they'll sell the real estate, returning everybody their money. Hopefully the real estate went up in value and everybody makes a profit. If the real estate fell in value, then everybody suffers a loss. Well, great. That's what uh, I understand. One of them is doing it, and the other one's considering doing it. The third one, I think I'll have to talk to an attorney on that one. Maybe. And let's also keep this in mind, Don, when they say there's a liquidity event, they own lots of real estate. They don't just own one building. So they might only be selling some of the real estate in July. They might not be selling all of it. So you might get some of your money back as opposed to all your money back. And you also have to verify with them when they do have a liquidity event, meaning they do sell some of the real estate, do they automatically return that part of the capital back to you? Or do they maybe take that capital and buy more real estate, resetting the clock for the future? So you've got to find out what are they doing? How are they doing it? What does it mean for you in terms of getting your money back? Great. I know where to go then. Don, thank you so much. I really appreciate your phone call. Great. I appreciate it. You're welcome. That was Don in Marietta, Georgia, here on the Rick Edelman Show. Triple Eight, Plan Rick. Time now for everybody's favorite segment of the program, a visit by my wife, Jean Edelman, founder here at Edelman Financial Engines with a degree in consumer economics and nutrition, expert in macrobiotic cooking, wonderful hobby of hers as well. Here's Jean. Hi, Rick. Thanks, as always, a pleasure to be here and share with everybody. My word for this week is gift. What cheers us up and what makes us feel happy? Our friends, our family, travel, gatherings, being outdoors. Well, we're surely living in a different world right now, and our old happy, it may be quite a while before we get that back. So how about we change the perspective and create some new happy? So I just came up with this whole fun list of things to do. How about pizza night with all the toppings? Or dress up night? Every night's a special occasion, but maybe we get dressed up a little bit special. Have a picnic in the living room. How about costume night? Why do we have to wait till Halloween? How about a bunch of cupcakes and we get to decorate it with anything that we want? Stargazing. Stargazing is great in the wintertime. And a bunch of us recently had a lot of snow, so maybe going outside and building something in the snow or making some snow angels. How about getting out all the crayons and coloring books and have a contest? How about a themed dinner? Another fun thing I've been doing is Zooming and cooking and coaching my niece who lives a thousand miles away. We make healthy snacks and meals together and just have a fun time. Maybe something like that with someone that you haven't seen in a while. I have another friend that we're reading a book together and once a week we sit and we discuss a chapter. It just feels good to have the connection. How about when we need to blow off some steam, crank up the music and have a dance party? What about being curious about something new this year? I know last year I had a whole list of things, a bunch of different classes I took. So this year, let's come up with some new things we want to be curious about. And how can we dive deeper into the subject matter and learn something new? How about sitting down with a cup of tea and writing a heartfelt letter to somebody? Let's create some fun moments because the moments, that's what life is made of. And we want them to be as happy and wonderful as possible. So the word this week is gift. And G is for guidance. Because you know what? If we listen to our inner gut and our inner knowing, we will always know what to do and what is right for us. I is for imagination. Because you know what? If we can think it, we can make it happen. 
F is for fortunate, giving thanks for what we have. And T is for today, making it the best that we can make it. Let's decide to make every day the best that it can be. Let's find the gifts in the moments because that's what we have and that's what makes our life more meaningful. I found a little quote. Never regret a day in our life. Good days give us happiness. Bad days give us experience. The worst days give us lessons. And the best days give us memories. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks, Jean. I'm going to wear my pirate costume tonight. Thanks for joining me on the program this week. If you need us, we're here for you. Triple H, Plan Rick. And remember, next Sunday, it's Valentine's Day. Have a great week. See you then. Providing personal finance advice for over 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Hi, I'm Rick Edelman, and I have a feeling that retirement is on your mind. You're wondering if you've saved enough or whether your money is in the right places. You're wondering when will you be able to retire or will you be able to stay retired? And is your money sufficient so you can live in comfort and financial security for the rest of your life? You're wondering all this, but you really don't have to just wonder. You can resolve all these questions in your effort to enjoy a retirement that's everything you want it to be. And we can help. At Edelman Financial Engines, our clients are predominantly concerned about retirement, your financial security, financial security for your spouse, for your aging parents, for your children. And we can help you just like we've helped thousands of folks just like you for more than 30 years. So call us at Edelman Financial Engines at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-PLAN-RICK. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. And don't wonder about your retirement, because we're here to help you.